0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God together to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to read a few verses beginning in verse 35. We'll read down through verse 38. All right, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll begin reading beginning in verse 35. If you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And right after our prayer, we'll begin in verse 35. Father, how we thank You once again for the privilege to be gathered together around Your Word tonight. We do ask that You'd bless the reading of Scripture, that You'd touch our hearts, that You'd speak to us, Lord, and take the Word and make it personal in our lives. We pray You'll, uh, Lord, bless our time together, bless our thoughts. We pray You'd lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. I want to call your attention back to verse 36, if I may. Notice what it says there. But when Jesus, or excuse me, when He, speaking of Jesus, when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them. And tonight I want to preach a message from that verse entitled, What Jesus Saw. What Jesus Saw. Thank you. You may be seated. The Bible says when Jesus saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion. You know, I, I want you and I to cultivate the mind of the Lord and the heart of the Lord as we look at others. As we go about our daily lives, as we carry out our routines during the week, we, we would do well to, to emulate our Lord, to, to see as He saw. And tonight I want to catch a glimpse of what Jesus saw as He looked at the multitudes. Notice verse 36 says he was moved with compassion. You know, you and I ought to have compassion as well. The Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And here in verse 36, the Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And I want to consider what Jesus noticed when he saw these multitudes. What did he see in them? What was it about them that moved him to compassion? First of all, I believe tonight that Jesus, when He saw the multitudes, He saw their worth. You know, sometimes I think we we don't see from heaven's perspective when we look at others. We don't see the value of the human soul. But notice what the Bible says. It says that Jesus saw their lives as valuable. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark a couple of pages over to the Gospel of Mark. And notice in chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, we're going to notice a couple of verses there. First, in verse 36, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Think about this. Here's the Lord Jesus speaking, and He's trying to leverage in our minds the value of human worth. And He puts on one side all of the valuables of the world. And on the other side, He places one soul. And the scale is not tipped. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world, but lose his soul? Notice verse 37. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul tonight? Is there anything worth more than a human life? Is there anything worth more than a person? When Jesus looked at the multitudes tonight, He saw their lives as valuable. He saw their worth. But you know, I'm afraid so casually tonight that often we go about our days and our lives, we interact with people, uh, we go through the crowds, and yet we, we fail to recognize their worth. Isn't it true? We read the headlines, we see the happenings of our day, and there's people all around us. There are events that constantly remind us that we fail to recognize the value, the worth of the people around us. You know, it gets busy during the Christmas season. There's a lot of things to do. There's people to see. There's events and gatherings. There's presents to buy and wrap and and even to open. Those are wonderful things. But as we interact during this busy time, let's pause and let's reckon the value. Let's realize the value of those around us. And let's see their lives tonight. Let's see their worth. Let's see their lives as valuable. Because Jesus, when He saw these multitudes, He saw their lives as valuable. Hey, tonight, if you're, if you're saved by the grace of God, the reason you are is because God saw your worth. Jesus saw your worth. It's it's what made Him hang on the cross at Calvary. He saw our worth tonight. But not only that, He saw their lives as vanishing. You know, this is something that we, we don't think about enough. But if you would, turn to the book of James. And in James chapter 4, right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 4, notice what the Bible tells us about our lives. In James 4, look at verse 14. It says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, what is is the Bible reminding us there? He's reminding us, the Lord is reminding us in His Word that life is vanishing. You know, we live but a short time. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to live to be 100, what is that compared to all eternity? It's it's a drop in the bucket, as the expression goes. Our our lives are vanishing. They're temporal. They're temporary. We're not going to live forever. And, you know, sometimes we forget the places we serve and the people that we serve with, those around us. You know, we look around and we have to realize those people will not always be there. People come and people go. God moves us around. And, uh, you know, I I think probably most often we realize that with our military members and friends. Probably because they move around more often than everyone else. Uh, But the truth is, you you could look around in in any occasion, in any event, and, and, and it's a rarity that those same group of people would ever be in the same room again at such an event. You know, we have to think about that. Um, I remember being in Bible college, and I remember them saying stuff like that, and looking around the room. And you know, some of these friends in college, I haven't seen them since. You know, time is short, and and the the, the circumstances of our lives, you know, they often change. And sometimes we just take it for granted, and we just think, hey, we're going to have these friends forever. We're just always going to be together. But you know, that's not really true. The Lord saw these crowds and He saw their lives as vanishing. He realized that they're here for a time and for a season. And uh, you know, you've probably realized that as you've changed positions at work or maybe changed employers or maybe moved to a new neighborhood. uh, You know, at one time, you probably never saw yourself with new neighbors until it happened and then you realize, wow, you know, that's over. Think about it. Jesus saw them. He saw the fleeting moments and He realized the urgency of time in our life. He saw the worth, the value of their soul, but He saw time ticking away and He saw their vanishing moments. Notice in Matthew chapter 9, we were there a moment ago, in verse 38, that's why Jesus said, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. What's the reason for this great need? What's the urgency behind the only prayer request Jesus gave us so specifically? He taught us how to pray and said, pray about these things. But here He's actually giving us a prayer request. He says, pray for laborers. What's this all about? It's about the value of human worth. It's about the brevity of time. And and it's about the vanishing moments It's about the dwindling opportunity to reach people for the Lord, to give them the gospel, to help them understand that they need Christ. Everyone needs Jesus. They all need a Savior before it's everlasting too late. When Jesus saw the multitudes, He saw their worth tonight. Aren't you glad He saw your worth? Aren't you glad God put some value on your soul uh, maybe more so than you did. Maybe, maybe God recognized your value, and, and, and uh, you know, there, there are uh, opportunities where we get glimpses of, of God's love for us in the scriptures. And it's always wonderful, isn't it? To know that God loved us when we were unlovely, to know that God loves us more than we love ourselves. Amen. I hope that's true for you. He saw their worth. He saw their weariness. You know, the Bible says in our text that He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. It says because they fainted. Because they fainted. He saw their weariness. He saw the condition they were in. He was moved because of what He saw. The weariness, for example, the weariness of body. We experience that often, don't we? the weariness of body. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn a few pages over. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we find in verse 4, Paul writes, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. I thought that was a very interesting way for Paul to describe death, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Isn't that interesting? We, we think about death the total opposite of that. But Paul was looking at life and death from heaven's point of view, from God's perspective, remembering that, that God gave us eternal life. And because of that, we would live forever. Brother Clarence Sexton, pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, recently passed away. And I'm, I know if, if you're familiar with that ministry, you've seen posts on Facebook and people acknowledging that. And uh, we were wonderfully blessed by his ministry. When I pastored in Georgia, we utilized a lot of their material in our Sunday school. We took our teens to their summer camps. Uh, my daughter went to their college. Wonderful place. And it was because they had a wonderful pastor. Uh, He had a big heart in a lot of ways. Of course, nobody's perfect, but God used him tremendously in the lives of people there. And uh, Brother Scott Pauley, someone who went to college there and then was groomed in the ministry under the leadership of Pastor Sexton, he wrote some some of his thoughts in an article about Brother Sexton and uh, wrote about that very fact that he has eternal life. He said, we think of him as dead, but he's actually just begun to live. Think about that. That's what what the Bible promised. That's what our salvation means. And uh, he reminded us that he's actually home. Now he's home. What a wonderful thought as we think about those that have gone on before us. Hey, they're home tonight. They're home with the Lord. Their faith has become sight. They have begun to live. Uh, I think it was D.L. Moody who said, One day when I die, he said, Don't think of me as dead. He said, At that moment, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. And uh, what a what a great reminder of what the scriptures teach us, but Jesus saw the weariness uh, of others in this crowd when he looked around. They were they were fainted uh, in the way. Turn with me to Isaiah in an Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter forty. And here a, a great reminder because you know we often we often think of uh, the faint and the weary. Well, we think of of the elderly. But here, the prophet Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 40, in verse 30, he says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And he goes on to say, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Uh, Very very encouraging passage of Scripture. Because they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Uh, Well, that's the difference the Lord makes. The Lord sees those that are weary, and if that's you tonight... Be reminded that God loves you and He knows He sees the weariness of body that we experience. Now we mentioned the young there, and I have uh, I have humorously said, you know, to my kids at times when they were tired and feeling faintish. You know, uh, now that I'm a little older, I've said to them, "You don't really know what tired is yet." <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny because as you, you you know you don't realize when you're young and how you've got this abounding energy. Uh, you know, even when you're tired, well, you're really not tired. But one day when you hit real tired, you'll know what that means. That, that abounding energy just isn't there behind you like it used to be. And the rebounds get a little harder and the bounce backs are a little slower, right? And I see some heads nodding out there, right? <laughs> and I remember being, being young in the ministry and I remember older church members coming and sharing the good news of all this with me. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I would say to him on occasion, thanks for the encouragement (laughs) to know what's ahead of me. Well, it's uh, it's creeping up. I'm getting there. Amen. And uh, God sees our weariness. He saw this crowd and he saw the weariness of their body. And look what God said to those who are weary. Turn over to Matthew chapter 11, just a couple of pages from our text. And notice what Jesus said to those who are weary in body. And if that's you, take heart tonight. Because in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Think about that. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Hey, there's no rest like that rest that soothes your soul. Amen? That's the kind of rest God gives us. The money can't buy that. But God can soothe that weary soul. But not only does He see the weariness of body that often overtakes us, the Lord Jesus even sees when we're weary in our mind. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12? Such a thing is possible. Life seems at times to overwhelm us. And in Hebrews chapter 12, notice the Hebrew writer addresses this this state we can get in where we are weary of mind, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. He said, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, you have to realize that you're not going to quit on the outside until first you've given up on the inside. And that starts in your mind. It starts with the way you think. You know, I believe that's why the Bible says that we're to guard our hearts, guard our thoughts. That's why the Bible says we're to take charge of every thought, bring it uh, and subject it to Christ. Well, hey, don't give in to those thoughts of weariness because God wants to help you. Take heart and consider the Lord Jesus who endured such contradiction so that we can be comforted and we can take courage from His example. Our Savior looked at those multitudes. He was moved with compassion because He saw their worth, but He also saw their weariness. Tonight, I want you to see that He saw their waywardness. Well, if you look at what He saw in verse 36, the Bible says that He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, and that's not all. He said, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He saw their waywardness. He saw that they were scattered. He saw their spiritual condition, that they were without direction, without nurture. He he saw tonight in that uh, category of their lives, He saw their need. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. He saw their need. And in Matthew chapter 7... In verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, enter, in, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, but few there be that find it. It's no accident that verse 15 continues, and notice what he says, Beware of false prophets. Because the Lord Jesus knows that for the multitudes to find the straight gate and enter therein, someone's going to have to lead them there. Watch out for false prophets because they will lead you astray, they will take you in the wrong direction. It will cost you your soul. He saw their need. Notice in Isaiah 53, verse 6, what does the Bible say? that our need is, we kind of alluded to this in the morning message. We were talking about how Jesus saves us from ourselves. In Isaiah 53 verse 6, notice the prophet Isaiah said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So here we find their waywardness, their need going their own way. And they're in need of a shepherd. You know, Jesus sees that in the life of those that are lost. But He sees also when you and I are wayward, when, when we're in our own way, and when we need direction and purpose in our lives. God sees that need tonight. But not only did He see their need, but He saw this crowd, He saw their neglect. He saw their neglect. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36... He said he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. Can you imagine that? If you know the animal world, if you know a sheep, then you know it needs a shepherd. There's a picture that's been circulating online on social media of the little lamb with Jesus coming from behind, running after it. It's a beautiful reminder of Jesus as our good shepherd. How He leaves the ninety and nine and how He comes for the one lost out of the fold. And you know, we may be saved by the grace of God tonight, but sometimes in our lives, we're as lost as that little lamb, needing direction, needing the help of God. And Jesus sees that need tonight. He sees that neglect. He sees when we're without a shepherd, we're without direction The word was scattered, which means to cast away. You know, sometimes we just get out of sorts. And the Lord sees that need tonight. I'm so grateful that He does, don't you? As He looked at this multitude on the hillside, He used this opportunity to teach the disciples and to ask them to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers to these multitudes. And what would that do? What would it do in the life of the disciples? It would stir their heart. It would give them the desire to go and reach those multitudes. There's no better way to find God's direction than through prayer. And the Lord encouraged the disciples to begin praying about the matter. Notice in Psalm 142, if you would, turn back with me to the Old Testament. In Psalm 142, in verse 4, we're talking about those that are neglected, those that are scattered, those that don't have direction, they have no shepherd. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 142, verse 4. The psalmist said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. The honest truth is, tonight, all of us have been in our life at some point or another, all of us have been at a place where we felt like that. Nobody cares. I have a need that no one sees. There's direction, there's concern, there's a lack here, and no one seems to notice. God notices. When he looked at that multitude, the Lord Jesus saw their neglect. He saw their soul. He saw them as sheep scattered, having no shepherd, it says. Notice with me in John chapter 6, in verse 37. In John chapter 6, verse 37. Notice Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Don't you like that? No scattered sheep in his fold. Because Jesus said, those that come, he said, I will receive, and I won't cast any of those out. Tonight needs are met, direction is obtained, help is on the way. The Lord Jesus, when He looks at us, He sees our worth. He sees our weariness. He sees our waywardness. When we get out of the way, out of sorts, when we lack direction and care, when we think no one's watching and no one knows, He knows tonight. Aren't you glad that our Lord sees these things? Not just in the multitudes in His day, but He sees them in the lives of people in our day. You know, the Lord sees this when we're in that state. And I'm glad He's there for us because He sees tonight. The Bible says that Jesus saw these things. He was moved with compassion when He looked on the multitudes. And that's why He said to His disciples in verse 37, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. How about it tonight? Would you join the praying disciples? Would you pray for the harvest field? Would you pray for those that are without the shepherd? Would you join them in reaping the harvest? Would you look around for those in need of the Lord? And this time of year, just tell them the Christmas story. Tell them of the love of the Lord and how good He is. What a good shepherd Jesus is to us. Amen? Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we thank you for your precious word. How we thank you, Lord, tonight for what you see, for the way you see. Lord, as you look at people everywhere, you see their worth, their value. Tonight, we ask you to help us look through your eyes as we see people around us this holiday season. People at work, people in the neighborhood, people out and about. In the busyness of life and the Christmas season, Lord, may we be willing to spread some good cheer to tell folks about you, that they too might have a good shepherd. Lord, we just thank you for all that you do now. Bless our time, our worship, our celebration this Christmas season, and help us as we have opportunity to tell others about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.